This is the Wheel of Time podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're back for the finale of the Wheel of Time Season 2, Episode 8, What Was Meant to Be. Well, it looks like our time is up. Will you join us? I will never serve him. In a thousand lives, I never have. I know that. I'm sure of it. Welcome back, fellow wheelies, for the finale of The Wheel of Time, Season 2 on TV Podcast Industries. Yes, we're talking about The Wheel of Time, Episode 8 of Season 2, What Was Meant to Be. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow wheelies. I am one of your other hosts, John. And weaving as the wheel wills, I am Chris. Oh, very good, Chris. Very good. Oh, You've been practicing that all me. season, haven't you? All day. All day. Because I knew <laughs> we were recording tonight. I was like, gotta get this right. Gotta get this right. How much she sells away the seashore can she sell? Oh no, the wrong one. <laughs> You're on it, Chris. We'll have to have to I send know. you more tongue twisters uh, <laughs> and see if you can get any more of them. But we won't be talking about that in this podcast. What we will be talking about is the finale of the Wheel of Time. I'm going to jump out right up front and say this is probably my favorite episode of TV I've seen this year. I thought this was a fantastic end of the season and uh, got me so excited for um, for next season. But throughout, I was running through all the roller coaster of emotions, um, joy, pumping fist in the air with uh, some characters' performances and some characters' actions in the episode. And yeah, lots of tears in some uh, some quite big places oh, as yeah, well, which yeah. we'll probably talk about. I felt like I'd gone to the vet or something at one point. Oh, John. <laughs> Spoilers. You're happy, then you get put in a cage, then you're crying, you know what happens, then you're out again and you're free. Exactly. Joy. That sounds like uh, the, the roller coaster of emotions of the Wheel of Time. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm right there with you. This was epic TV, mm-hmm. uh, like proper, like with a capital E P I C. Like it reminded <laughs> me of, like a finale of Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. like season three kind of levels, or maybe four when like Daenerys got the dragon, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh my god, uh! like <laughs> just culmination of plot, plot, plot. Like they stacked everything and then just kind of hit that domino at the end. Yeah. And just let it ride. And mm-hmm. you were just like, my God. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely. Yeah. Uh, I completely there with you. I uh, loved this episode so, so much. Uh, it kind of makes me want to go back and just watch season one, season two back to back actually now because uh, it's just really fantastic TV. And I mean, I think as well because, you know, the usual debate of book readers and, and TV watchers, you know, I'm kind of half and half here, uh, mm-hmm. so only really uh, close to finishing book four, and it's it's just been adapted so, so well. I mean, stuff is happening that I haven't even got to yet, so the, dare I say it, the, 
the weaving of the one power by um the the showrunner here Rafe Lee Judkins I think is just like phenomenally good mm. uh, it's really good it makes sense uh, and yep. ultimately despite all these changes and adaptations and and um new aspects uh it still finishes where it finishes in book 2 ultimately so it was kind of really Really good. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, we do have to talk every now and again about the, the comparison aspect. But I, I think the key difference that we'll always have on our podcast is we understand adaptations are adaptations. Mm-hmm. 13 books that are as dense as the Wheel of Time. There are some things in there like that even Robert Jordan himself went, ah, I, yeah, I just dropped that thread. Mm-hmm. Like, like he purposely, like he wrote these books over the course of many years, some of them just did not make sense. And if you were to try and put some of that on TV, it just doesn't, it wouldn't look visually great. It wouldn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So for me, I am seeing this as it's, it's a standalone adaptation. And this thing that, as John said, like go back and watch season one and two. Now I know how the first, these kind of total amount of episodes come together. I'm like, the storyline through so well done. Mm-hmm. Like they had a vision and they stuck yeah. to it. And as the, as much as that dragon mounting the tower, it's just this flaming beacon of this is how you can land good fantasy, high epic kind of TV again in the shadow of what was Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I was a gymnastics judge, I'd be throwing up the 10. As nice, speak. nice, uh, and and I suppose myself as the non-book reader of the uh, of the group, one who hasn't read uh, Wheel of Time, um, I yeah. think this is just an absolutely epic show. It, it stands up there with with all of the previous uh, fantasy shows that we've covered, and head and shoulders above some of the ones we've even covered on the podcast. Um, I think it's I think it's been such a good story. Um, just the culmination of all of the storylines in this one episode were fantastic. Uh, and speaking of that, uh, guys, well done on last week's episode, the one without me. Um, last yeah. time we did that a lot uh, on Wheel of Time Season 1, but uh, some good feedback on the two you're talking about. Um, maybe a little bit too many book moments oh, uh, no. we're talking Sorry. about, but it's okay. But it's okay. Sorry, fellow wheelies. <laughs> That's what happens when we don't have control. We did warn you coming into that episode. <laughs> yeah. We literally went, oh, it's the two of us. This is going to get weird. Sorry. But apologies and thank you for the feedback. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, I will say uh, one of the uh, elements that was in this episode, which we will, I'm sure, mention, um, Chris, the most confusing uh, reference to the book uh, from last week about um, Rand's taka 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 to travel across uh, the land. Um, so I presume flicker, flicker, flicker. that was to do with uh, what we actually saw, the traveling of the ways, Lanfear um, traveling with Rand in this episode uh, when she leaves the ways. Uh, so uh, so it, well, it did actually pop into uh, pop into the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite so good. I'll just say no, flicker, flicker, flicker <laughs> is not, and ha- seemingly it might be a drop thread. Um, okay, but this way travels and or traveling, I had alluded to that actually like three episodes ago mm-hmm. as well on one of, on our podcast, um, as a different way to travel. 
where Ishii and Blambeer were just getting around. But yes, uh, that is something that I, I will be discussing in this episode. Okay, good Come stuff. On. Good stuff. Well, to mention, uh, before we go into the final discussion on uh, the Wheel of Time, you can, of course, subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already, pop on over to tvpodcastindustries.com. There is a feed for all of our episodes of the Wheel of Time so far, and there are feeds for all the other shows we cover. And, of course, our main feed, TV Podcast Industries, which has everything we cover, uh, which is a lot at the moment, uh, which is why we're a little bit late with our Wheel of Time <laughs> season finale uh, discussion uh, we also will be giving out the final wheel of time tavern quiz question later on in this episode that gives you all eight questions and all you need to do is gather together the correct answers uh, email them to us at feedback at tvpodcastindustry.com and you can be in with a chance of getting your hands on some wheel of time goodies and finally we'd love to hear any thoughts you have on the wheel of time if you haven't gotten, in, gotten them into us so far you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with your thoughts or pop on over to our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries and leave your thoughts on any of the spoiler posts for the shows we're covering at the moment. But let's get in to the Wheel of Time finale. Definitely. Derek, what are some of the episode details? Well, of course, as mentioned many times, this is based on the book series by Robert Jordan. A showrunner for the show is Rafe Lee Judkins, who has written this uh, finale along with Tim Earle. Uh, Tim Earle was a writer's assistant and throughout this season of Wheel of Time season two, uh, but obviously working with showrunner Rafe Lee Judkins. Great stuff, yeah. Mm -hmm. And this episode was directed by Sana Hamri. Uh, Sana directed episodes three and four of season two of uh, of Wheel of Time. Love well. it, love it. Uh, I I thought uh, Sana brought some really really good moments and shots in mm -hmm. this, uh, and as as did the writers as well. Yeah. Um, and I mean to be an assistant writer throughout the season to have. Um, you know, that co-writing credit mm -hmm. for a finale like this. Excellent stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this episode was so big. It's Monday after the episode has aired when we're recording right now, and they've just announced uh, it is being shown in cinemas uh, across New York uh, tonight. So um, how cool would this to be, be to see in the cinema? Definitely. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. No, some of the... The, I'm jumping ahead to one of my notes was like the SFX on this were just the visual, mm -hmm. yeah. just amazing. Absolutely. So yeah, I can I can just imagine seeing that in proper big cinema screen. Yeah, be so cool, be so cool. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the Wheel of Time season two, episode eight, the finale? What was meant to be? Sure. While travelling through the ways, Lamphere throws Moraine and Lan out of a waygate before reaching farm and uses other methods to transport herself and Rand into the city. Lamphe alerts Ishmael to Rand's presence, before he feels ready to enact his scheme to bring Rand to the dark. Realising she has betrayed him, Ishmael starts to put in motion plans to counter Lamphe, and has Padden Fane deliver Matt the dagger from Shadur Lagoth to kill Rand with, but Matt finds a creative solution to taking the blade and escapes his prison. Meanwhile, Falm comes under attack from the White Cloaks, led by Dane Bornhold and his father, Geofram, in an attempt to eradicate the Sension. But encounter Perrin and the Ail. As Geofram kills Perrin's companion, Hopper, Perrin quickly takes revenge, killing the White Cloaks' leader in front of his son, Dane. During the chaos, Ingtar, Loyal, and Massima escape with the Horn of Valer and join the battle alongside Matt Perrin and the Ail. Seeing Egwene captured by the Senshan, Rand confronts and kills the Senshan leader Turak and his men, 
But after a bombardment of Falm's tower disrupts the Damani channelers and their Suldam, Egwain manages to break free from Rena, killing her, as she realises that she can be collared as she is a low-level channeler of the One Power. Meanwhile, unable to reach Rand at the tower with his way blocked by Senshan, Matt is forced to blow the horn of Valère, summoning the heroes of the horn to his side and turning the tide of the battle. Rand, Egwene, Nynaeve, Perrin and Matt reunite and are confronted by Ishmael, who has Rand shielded from the One Power, and tricks Matt into wounding Rand with the dagger. While Egwene and Perrin protect Rand and Matt from Ishmael, Elaine and Nynaeve arrive and Elaine begins to heal Rand's wound. On the beach, Moraine realises Lamphere had placed her and Lan in the location to free Rand from the shielding, allowing him to channel the One Power and slay Ishmael with his heron sword. As was prophesied, Rand is proclaimed the Dragon Reborn before the whole city, with a fiery dragon bannered across the sky as his friends stand by his side. After the battle, Lanfear is confronted by Mogadin, another of the Forsaken, and learns all Forsaken have been set free and have set their sights on the Dragon Reborn. To be continued in Season 3. Yes, indeed. Can't wait. Snap, snap, Rafe. Get it going. Get it going. <laughs> Absolutely. But lots to discuss in this episode. We normally talk about our uh, top spokes of the wheel and have extended those uh, to five spokes for this episode because <laughs> so much is going on. Um, so they are our big moments. They are the moments that we're most interested in talking about. But I do want to talk quickly about our 3,000 years ago prologue uh, at the beginning of the episode and the return of the opening credits, which we haven't seen all season of season two of Wheel of Time. <laughs> yeah. um, apparently, Rafe Jokins had said that he was uh, in an interview that he was asked by um, Prime Video whether he wanted to keep the opening credits or he wanted two more minutes of his episode every week. And he said, I'll do two more minutes, please. Uh, and that's why we've had such long episodes this season. But uh, nice to see those back. Um, but I thought the setup of 3000 years ago with um, the confronting of Luce uh, and to Ishmael as he's being um, put into his um, prison effectively for the next yep. 3000 years. I thought that was a great start to the episode because it sets up this idea that they are going round in a circle. They are constantly going back and forth between the two of them about overbreaking the world and potentially killing all family and friends of Luce or uh, killing each other, effectively, is what's, what's yeah. going on here. And we learned some little bits about, you know, um, their relationship is very close. They are very good friends who've been on each other's side in the past. And that plays into the rest of the episode. I thought that was a, a really good opening setup so you can kind of get in your mind where what's going to happen to uh, Rand and his friends. Definitely. Yeah, I thought this was really good. First of all, I just thought it was really cool seeing the binding and locking of Ishmael mm -hmm. in, in, into that seal. Like, it was really well done. We've had Ishmael going through this world and, you know, in a sense, he is the strongest forsaken. He's the lieutenant mm. of the Dark One. But in this opening moment, you kind of get the sense that but he just wants to be free of it. Mm -hmm. You know, he says, kill me. Yeah. Um, and Luz Therin, I'm not, you know, is not going to grant him that wish. Yeah. You know, in fact, he's going to prevent him from guessing, uh, what he wants, which is kind of almost like a release. And I love yeah. how that, as you say, little bits of this play into this episode mm -hmm. and you see that 
with the the death of Ishmael uh, yeah. at the end. Um, so I, I kind of thought this was really, really good at just as well going back the 3000 years, like we got at the finale of season one as well, seeing mm-hmm. the flying cars everywhere. So um, <laughs> I yeah. still need to go back and see season one because I don't think there were flying cars. Well, there was big I, tall I, I, buildings. I will quickly say, <laughs> I'll quickly jump in. There was no flying cars. Yeah. But it was basically skyscraper, skyscraper, yeah. like massive statues. I, um, I'm sure there were sort of hovering uh, cars or something. I'm convinced I saw the Jetsons in the. I, I think <laughs> you might have been watching the Jetsons. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love this. I, again, just also showing the the acid eye um, of mm-hmm. the age, the two acid eye, the males and females. So mm-hmm. we saw all the male acid eye there uh, in their circle, and then above them. In the, the alcoves were all the females. Mm. Um, again, showing the, the white and the dark of the, like the both male and female source being male and female Ace die. Um, and that's why I absolutely, oh, so good to see again, yeah. just from a lore perspective, looking mm-hmm. at the, like how you, uh, I'll talk about the special effects really quickly. Like they, the digital effects of the power coming from on top into the males and then them kind of channeling in to the thing. And it started to spin and you got then the white and the black teardrops. Mm. Uh, So the, 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 the fang and the, the, the teardrop, which was the, the, the Ace of seal. Mm -hmm. You can see, and then it looked exactly like the seal of what we saw with the other forsaken later in Ishmael's room. Mm -hmm. So you could see this kind of, the formation of how that was built with the two powers kind of coming. It just looked fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, let's go on to our spokes of the wheel again, our, some of our the bigger moments from the episode to discuss. So we're going to start off with one of the biggest, I think, uh, one of the one of the um, punch-in-the-air moments from the episode. Let's start off with Egwene freeing herself um, because I think we've wanted this for the last couple of episodes. Um Really seeing that opening sequence where Rena is coming in and telling her we've been ordered to uh, to go to the tower. Um, you are going to be used in this uh, in this war, and if you dare defy me uh, when we're up there, uh, you'll lose your tongue uh, as her first threat to Egwene. Um But we actually see her losing her braid. Um, very important to her and all the women of of the two rivers. Every every young woman grows their braid from a young age, and uh, her getting her braid back then, right at the beginning of the series, was a big moment uh, for Egwene. And we mentioned the acting from Madeline Madden uh, earlier on in the season, um, but she's so good here. This moment where she loses her braid, um, just that moment, you can tell how much that's costing her. How much how much extra pressure it's putting on her here. Um, what we also learn later on is that this was the entire plan of Ishmael was to get Egwene on the top of that terror to draw Rand out. He didn't really care if they were able to push back the white cloaks from the city of Falm. That's not what he was there for. It wasn't a defensive move. He was getting Egwene in position so that Rand would be drawn up to that place for their battle. Um, but I love how this plays out. I love that Egwene is used she does use her power and you can see it being channeled through her you can see the, the focus being used by Rena pushing it through her and then Egwene turns and defies uh, Rena for uh, the final time in a good way yeah definitely I, I mean the defiance on Egwene's face is just fantastic um or you know all the way through this I do wonder whether you know that one volley of, of 
fire that she sent off because mm-hmm. it was aimed at white cloaks and she you know she re- remembers what they did to Perrin yes. um at child valder so you know she kind of let that one go mm-hmm. but i just really enjoyed um just the defiance mm-hmm. in in her look her words everything here you know as the Suldam and the Damani are being mobilized here. Yeah. Um, I can't say anymore. At least say it, it's a complete and utter punch in the air because, mm-hmm. you know, she's been treated really badly throughout, you know, since being captured. And this is the moment where, in effect, she extracts her, her revenge yeah. on her tormentor. And quite specifically, she starts it off by, you're, you're right, she does fire down, you see her, kind of feeling the power go through her as she's uh, as she's attacking the white cloaks but she sees what's actually happening on the ground the kids and the and the uh, families of Falm all being affected by this blast and then she spits her dummy out which I love that's <laughs> that's literally what happens but yeah. that is a phrase saying uh, you're the anger of a child effectively she's going no more that's it I'm done yeah, yeah. no th- this was great to see like again Speaking of how Gwen and Madeline Madden really just kind of bringing that face of defiance mm-hmm. just yeah. in every step, like you could see the tears rolling as Rena has the the knife in her mouth, mm-hmm. cut about to cut her tongue. You see that kind of like I just need to say one more word. You can just so beautifully act, and then getting to that point where. The, the, the explosion happens and mm-hmm. you see all the other Sultan dead, essentially. And you yeah. can say, like, the blue sitter. The blue sitter is no more. Like, That's right. Her, yeah. She is dead. And we see the, the Adam fall off, uh, which can only be broken when one of them is dead and mm-hmm. both of them are. And then that, just putting it on and really, again, just also kind of showing how Egwene is able to as she is torturing Rena, not mm-hmm. torturing, let's say she's getting, in fact, enacting revenge or justice. Yeah. Probably a better way. On Rena by hanging her the same way. Mm-hmm. She is feeling that too. And you can Absolutely. see that, that yeah. shot for shot as it jumps back and forth between the two characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is one of the reasons I absolutely love the direction for this one. Yeah. They were able to almost kind of invert. The, the camera, so one was always looking up and the other was slightly looking down mm-hmm. on, so it was almost, and, but they had the same facial as they were going through the same, essentially choking. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just so well done. Yeah. Ending in that way where she just does that final. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. Death. I mean, I think what's really important here as well is that. It is Egwene that frees herself as well. Even though 100%. Rand is on the board, he's mm-hmm. certainly looking to try and get her released. Um, it's, it's, it's the intelligence. It's the nous. It's the determination, mm-hmm. um, of Egwene that leads to this. Yes. And it's ultimately Egwene's choice to leave Rena hanging till she dies. Mm-hmm. Are on that collar, uh, and until um, yeah. she drops, because Egwene has taken off the armband part of that 
of of the mechanism yeah. for the Adam. She's break. Know? She's broken that that connection between uh, between her and uh, Egwene. But you're absolutely right. That is the the biggest thing that that got me about this scene. Uh, everybody is there to save Egwene. Everybody is going there. Rand is going there yeah. because he saw her cha- chained. Nynaeve has tortured another Sul'dan to find out where to get to Egwene because she needs to be saved. Loyal is giving up the opportunity of taking the Horn of Valder out of the city so that they can save Egwene, yet she saves herself. Um, really, really important. The only person, I think, that ends off on the tower um, that yeah. isn't going there for Egwene is Matt. Um, it's it's uh, everybody else is going there for her yeah. and her alone but she saves herself and he's going for rand which through proxy um mm-hmm. yeah no i i think this is a great way to kind of finish for Egwene because again she was having a problem being the smartest in the room and kind of really showing her the full amount of power she had and kind of back in the tower she yeah. was she wasn't the one she she thought she was going to be this has kind of again mm-hmm. this is almost like the end of the old Egwene again with they kind of very much and, and I think the symbolization of that as well is also the cutting of the braid mm-hmm. kind of the defiance and how it also finishes at the end where uh, like Ishmael mm-hmm. and we'll we'll discuss more but that stand against Ishmael like very much showed where she is in this Absolutely, absolutely. I I think they kind of stressed it earlier on in the season when we heard the Blue Sedai say, you know, you lasted longer than I did about Egwene and how much power she has and how how strong she is as a character. And you mentioned Chris here with with Rena, um, effectively shouting at her, going, you know, you must be feeling this pain. Egwene is, but she's able to push through it. That's the kind of character that she is in order to kill Rena, in order to take yeah. that revenge. And I, I think as well, yeah. it's it, it's like you say, it's she's been totally hardened by this mm-hmm. process yep. of torture from Rena, and I think what will be really interesting to see is how or if she can put that behind her, and or mm-hmm. how it affects, you know her relationships moving forward. Well, absolutely. And I think we'll probably talk about that with all the rest of the characters in this episode. Bring it on season three, Rafe. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I just wanted to mention uh, in this scene, we don't see uh, Rima um, from last week's episode, the Sadaya that was uh, was captured uh, just at the end of the episode. Uh, we don't see her up on the tower. I presume she just hasn't been uh, set to control enough, I guess, uh, to put her on the tower with uh, yeah. with her Sildam. Um But we don't see her in this episode. I just thought that was uh, kind of interesting because um, potentially they could have had her up there as well. But she... Uh, maybe still in play and maybe still um, available or around somewhere. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I was trying to see if she was with the the other ones on the on the boat, but again, I just couldn't yeah. see because they they did yeah. kind of pull back. If you want to say retreated to the boats, I just may couldn't see. She may have been mm. on that boat, which yeah. do yeah. not survive. <laughs> None of those boats survive. So um, hopefully, she's still in the kind of the prison which they were calling the kennels. Yeah, really great moment uh, from the episode. I think we'll move on to our spoke number two. Oh, um, this one's a tough one to talk about. Um, I've just called it Perrin loses Hopper, but there is so much more that's happening uh, in these scenes with um, Perrin and the eel coming into the city. Um, 
Loyal coming coming along with the Horn of Valer, which is, has been a huge thing. That all happened off screen. Um, and, and that's a massive, it's supposed to be the turning point in the battle. We heard um, Ingtar and uh, and Loyal have an argument about whether they should get the Horn of Valer or whether they should save Egwene. And here they are. They turn up in the middle of the street to meet uh, Perrin and the Aeol carrying the Horn of Valer going, ah, oh, we just got it in the confusion. It's grand. Yeah. And a, a woman for Karain helped them out. Yes, just a random woman who, no, just, we'll talk about that later, but just a random woman helped them. You're like, you just, that's just like a drop, like, just it, like, it literally just name dropped. I, I thought like, that was Lanfear, oh was I wrong? Because yeah. Lanfear yeah. was, a, I am right, okay. Yeah. Grant. Yeah, no, you're right. That's Lanfear, yes. Just, just really kind of dropping these little nests and nuggets of, how de- mm-hmm. the kind of deceptive she exactly, is, yeah. but not fully calling it out as well. I was like, "Oh wait," because I've like so many dots and kind of uh-huh. kind of lines have been. I was kind of like almost like a murder board, going, "Oh my god, exactly. that's there," and then she's there, and then that yeah, happened. Lanfear oh. working on her plan uh, very much so, but yeah, which, once once the mention of a woman from Kyrene who shouldn't be there, uh, I think it makes sense that it's probably definitely, Lanfear, yeah. yeah. I yes. mean, but I mean, coming back to Perrin losing Hopper, I mean, <laughs> like Cry Central, this to me was like <laughs> really, really emotional. Mm-hmm. As I say, it's like going to. To the vets to have your favorite pet, um, unfortunately, you know, put down or something like that. Um, this was so, so well done in terms of its emotional hit. Um, A, because it's an animal. Mm -hmm. B, the, it being a real dog and C, that real dog having those doggy eyes that can melt a thousand hearts, quite frankly, Mm -hmm. even in even in death and, and with a pool of blood, uh, sort of pouring round. And I think as well, it was the emotional investment then of the reaction of parent, which was just so well done. Um, oh, absolutely. I thought, uh, just as, as the two eyes meet and his, his yellow eyes come, come back on as he connects with Hopper as he's dying, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right. The eyes of Hopper as he dies, I think are so well filmed. Great dog actor. Um, and Rafe Jokins did say he's so happy they were able to work with real animals, uh, throughout this, uh, Needs throughout the show. a doggy Oscar. Uh, no CGI, but the actual following from that, as we see, um, Hopper effectively, the life leave him. Uh, I thought it was a beautiful scene and really, really sad. I just about saw that through the tears on the third watch through. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I, I think actually for me as well, Marcus Rutherford, um, through this season, I've absolutely so enjoyed his portrayal of parent, mm-hmm. Ibarra. Um, and I think he, uh, like his, like emotional, outbursts and reaction mm-hmm. to the death of you know effectively one of his wolf brothers here and and that connection um was just really really good and of course sets him you know on, on a path i'm sure where um he's going to be wanting to avoid white cloaks at so. uh every step of the way from mm-hmm. now on um expect, and you know again i, I just the attack on Geofram Bornhold, who is the father of Dane Bornhold, who Perrin had bumped into, uh, 
previously. It just sets up another little twist here for Perrin yeah. as well. And I, I just think um Marcus Rutherford has been so good in this role. And yeah. um, I've really enjoyed um just the emotional range. And I think in particular here, I mean, I think the tears started again when you have the slow-mo version of him axing Geofram mm-hmm. uh, as well. Yeah, who who had who kills yeah. Hopper? So you know it was really really good. An all set emotion by Child Valder, yeah, who um was al- almost one of the villains of last season, the one that had captured Egwene and captured uh, Perrin and and tortured Perrin, yeah, uh, to find out what he was yep. and takes an opportunity in the middle of battle. And there's a moment when Perrin and the Aiel are almost fighting side by side with the White Cloaks because they all have the same purpose. And then when Chal Valder steps in yep. and tries to take out Perrin in the middle of this battle, it's not part of the battle. He's going to take him out and find out what he truly is. And then Hopper comes in to stop that yeah. and is killed uh, by Geoffram. So, um, so again, uh, no love lost between those two characters. And I'm sure they will meet again in the future. And now uh, Dane aggressively trying to go after uh, Perrin being held back by his men because he's murdered his father as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was a, a, yeah. a really interesting scene. But again... You know, after Egwene taking out uh, Rena, we have Perrin here murdering somebody else, um, murdering the leader of the White Cloaks. So uh, another of our friends uh, group of Rand, another murderer. Really seeing the questioners kind of like, so Valder and them, who were the villains, as you were like, they're, they're basically yeah. mm-hmm. the Inquisition of the militant arm of the, the like an order of kind of religion that hates yeah. the witches of Tarvalon. Really going to start kind of figuring everyone is everyone who was there is a dark friend start hunting them mercifully mercifully because they already were looking for them so mm-hmm. based on season one now and you already hear also like when dane is talking to his father yeah. asking about the prophecies which so happy they came up even they knew the dragon was prophesized to kind of come back this week, yeah. this at uh, this place so they there is no love lost. They don't like the witches of Tarvalon. They don't like. They the don't dragon. like the Sension either. No. So you're just setting up this army of militant religious zealots going after. Yeah, and, and what's interesting is after the whole of season one, where again there were the villains, and throughout this season we saw them a little bit and kind of got to know Dane a little bit better um, and his version of the White Cloaks versus what we've seen from uh, Shalvalder was were quite different. But in the opening of the, of, of the episode, when they're talking about going to Falm, they're going because the people of Falm reached out to every single king, queen, and uh, the Order of, of, of Aya Sedai, and nobody answered the call to come and save them. They have to put themselves in between this slaver army that have come in, uh, taking control of Falm, or else what good are they? You know, so while we may call them militant and evil and bad guys uh, for the show, they are the only ones that are stepping in. And yeah. they say they're doing it regardless of whether they all die here or not. They have to put themselves in this place, helping to stop the slavers from coming well, in. Well, that's and, you know, it. And you, I mean, very you do solid get, moral choice there. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. I mean, you do get that distinction um, between the questioners of Child Valder and um the more military side of it with the, the Bornholds in, mm-hmm. in, in particular. I mean, in the, in the earlier episode, Chalvalda is kind of fairly, um, 
scathing of Dane Bornhold because mm-hmm. he, he believes he's only there because of his father who leads this army. So yeah. I kind of, um, you know, I, I do like that kind of complexity here with the white cloaks, but again, it's kind of, in a sense, maybe being simplified again with, um, the attack on, on Geofram and, and mm. his death. The other thing to mention about this as well is as Perrin Hopper and the three Ale are walking towards Falm, he does actually tell Hopper to stay. So yes, he does. always train your dogs, uh, everyone. Uh, make- yeah, bad, bad doggy. He's the <laughs> bad boy. dog. Bad um, if only he had listened to his wolf brother in that instance. But well, the outcome could have been the parent was killed because Hopper did save him from uh, being killed. No, agreed, agreed. Yeah, yeah. it's part of his yeah. pack. Yeah, yeah. He, absolutely. And um, the other thing that intrigued me there was the fog. I mean, that was the biggest incense burning. I'm guessing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah. When they're in their camp, there, there is a hint that they have something up their sleeves. Mm-hmm. So in, initially I was thinking, is this some form of magic in and of itself? Um, but then you see all the, like the, the pack of children, mm. uh, wafting the, their incense. Altar boys, John. Altar well, boys. I guess yes. so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a pack of yep. altar boys, <laughs> yep. uh, spearheading. The the crusade, I guess. Is that a gaggle uh, yeah. or <laughs> a gaggle of altar boys? Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting, but it, it seemed like yeah, those incense burners were sort of over sort of doing overtime yes, really yeah, yeah. Uh, to create that amount of yeah. fog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it was great, uh, and and look, like the, the, to kind of wrap up the, the the kind of this whole kind of point, seeing where Perrin went and what's going to happen with the White Cloaks in Season 3 is very much why I'm, I'm so interested to see how they fork these stories mm-hmm. now and expand upon yeah. them. Because you do have this... Like, the White Cloaks are a um, really interesting part of the story. The like the Wolf Brothers are a really mm-hmm. interesting part of the story. So seeing how they're going to kind of, again, expand out. But yeah. This is just the beginning. So it's going to be interesting. We see... Unfortunately, Indigar is gone. He, like, t- in order for Perrin and the Aeol and Loyal to get there, you lose Intar. Yeah, he has his Boromir moment for sure mm. here. Uh, and there I was convinced he was a dark friend. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah. Earlier uh, in, in yeah. the season. So, mm-hmm. uh, proven wrong there, I guess. Yeah. At least within the TV show. At least within the TV show, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what was really unfortunate about poor Intar, um, he was standing beside the Aeol, who are uh, known warriors, talking about how great uh, them using their strategies of fighting in the smaller streets, because a man could take down 50 of uh, of the attacking force and then unfortunately he tried to take down 50 yeah. of the attacking force on his own and uh, yeah. ended off with two swords in his back but it's um, also- yeah it's 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 a it's a, a another sad loss in a very quick movement yeah yeah I, I think that was really good yeah. you know this is a really epic epic uh ending and and season finale mm-hmm. but at the same time there's just so much great stuff that's in there that in a sense, isn't epic. Like, I just loved how the three Isle warriors made their way through the alleys of that city, and, mm-hmm. you know, stopping, using all their senses. I just thought it was really, really cool. And then also seeing them again, uh, fighting in the midst of battle. I'll, I, 
I just can't tire of the fighting style that they've gone with uh, in, in this uh, yeah. in this program absolutely. really for those lady warriors. I think that it's absolutely so cool, yeah. um, like pure efficiency. Yeah. And yeah, as you say, in a sense, it maybe draws Inktar uh, into a false sense of what he can do, mm-hmm. um, and yeah ultimately gets his Boromir moment. Um, in the same way that I think Loyal kind of gets his Samwise Ganji moment with his speech, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. uh, around um, where he says, you know, stop thinking of the heroes of yesterday. We are the heroes of today, mm-hmm. not of the past. We need to use the yeah. horn here and now, you know, and ultimately when the group bump into Matt... Um, he's able to use the dagger of Sher Lagoth um, to to open it up. Because mm-hmm. um, up till now, we've just seen Turok sort of using a particular way to open it, which they can't um, fathom out in, in the heat of battle. Yeah. So uh, I just really enjoyed this from uh, Loyal because uh, it was a great sort of stand-up moment and... You know, we're here for today. We have to fight now kind of moment. And I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really enjoyed that. Yeah. And for anyone wondering who those names are, that's from Lord of the Rings. Don't worry if you don't know Lord of the Rings. Just <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Exactly. Different exactly. Uh, good stuff. Anything else on Perrin and the, uh, and the group that we have there? Yeah. Just very quickly, we do see Masama is the only, uh, Shintaran mm-hmm. left of that group. Um, he survives. Right. In the books, he's a big character. Um, we've kind of only seen him. He's been a secondary background character. He was, he's been there since they left mm-hmm. and has been part of this group, but never really talked. But they do focus him at the end. Yes, they do. Staring yeah. up in awe and amazement mm-hmm. at the, the group and the, the dragon. Yes. I feel they'll kind of lean into him as a character. So well done to that guy who just, he, he the, the actor himself, he managed to get himself a, a part where he's like, Everyone would think, Intar is the one to go. Get that role. You're going to be great. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. You're playing the long game. Well done. <laughs> um, yeah, the the actor who plays Masmao uh, was in The Last Kingdom. Um, he was a big uh, character mm-hmm. in The Last Kingdom as well. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Which I loved. So as soon as I saw him, totally recognized him and really pleased that he is uh, Masmao. Excellent, excellent. So we may see more of him in season three as well. Indeed, it's awesome. Uh, Speaking of threes, let's go on to our spoke number three. Uh, Another one of the group. We've got uh, Moraine and Lan reuniting. Um, You know, obviously, Hopper's death was a very emotional moment in this episode, but I realized how involved I am with with these characters when I saw Lan and Moraine reunite and reconnect. I thought it was so well filmed, so well done, the CGI of it. Uh, Seeing them be incorporated again using the weaves I thought was fantastic. And we do get the admission from Moraine that she didn't lie to Lan when she said they weren't equals. It was because Moraine always believed Lan was her better. Uh, I thought that was a nice nice moment. Yeah, really, really good. Yes, so amazingly such a narrative kind of pump the fist just well done like you 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 wrote a line that everyone was like oh my god how could you say it? and it's because and then they pay it off like four episodes later in a way that you're like 
Oh, just chef's kiss on that. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that, and then as you say, just how the weave sort of embraced them mm. and, and spun around them, I thought was really good. I mean, the, even yeah. to the point where it it felt like it was pulling them back together. Certainly, mm-hmm. as it it reached uh, and enveloped around their their heads, you know, because you just see their foreheads touch and it yeah. was just really, really good. And following on from that really emotional uh, outpouring from a rain. I, I just mm. really, really enjoyed it. It just shows you how strong these two are. Absolutely. And even as the camera panned back, you, they look like they are one. Um, you just yeah. see it from, yeah. from Lan and, uh, Bahrain is on the other side of them. As the camera pulls back, it is the two of them are, are one again. Um, some it, really interesting yeah. facial expressions from Lan as well. Almost as though, not that it hurts, but it's uncomfortable for that to, be done to him which i thought mm. was kind of interesting as well uh just face in his face you know uh it 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 felt like you know it is such an important element because of that yeah absolutely. as well but like even lands lines to moraine beforehand saying i know what you feel i know you feel unprepared i know you feel um concerned and worried i know all about this i know you feel weak but it's not going to hurt me I know these things and we can only, effectively, we can only be stronger together. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah really it, great. Moment. It was, it was a really tender scene, mm-hmm. I thought. And I mean, I think, you know, mention the visuals, but it, again, it's, it's worth the visuals, the acting, but also the music. There's some really beautiful music in this moment as mm-hmm. well. And I really, really enjoyed it, you know, and, and in a sense, you know, the SFX of the weave just as well added, that i mean the location along the beach i mean where they get effectively you know get the f out of of my way gate uh from lanthia <laughs> uh where she she well, she doesn't blow them a kiss that whole like coastline mm-hmm. the the setting of it was just phenomenal absolutely it, i mean that's it. half of it is just the the landscape is so epic as well. It just really adds to the weight of everything happening. Absolutely. Even in these tender moments, that backdrop, uh, so, so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, we've seen the water bond, mostly the, 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 the practical a- aspects of it in season one. Like we saw them when they were training, especially when they got to the Aesodai kind of camp. And they've talked about it more so as we went into season two, which mm-hmm. is like, the, the not having that connection um and it is that it is like understanding where that person is at all times understanding what they're feeling what sometimes what their emotions are what their their thoughts are um and but also kind of being a, a set another half of a whole um you are kind of bonded into one almost uh, again, that, again, the duality of man versus woman, woman versus man, two halves of the whole, like, not even just the kind of male versus yin yang, but also just like two, how two people can fit and kind of become a whole is talked about. And one of the parts I loved so much is when they, we talked about how the visuals showed that you could see a weave go from the head, the two heads, like their brains and then their, uh, their noses and their ears, connecting their ears, connecting their nose, connecting their mouths, connecting their hearts. And then one just going into like the, the kind of center kind of sternum 
as well. That all that kind of showing how that that is kind of how the the level of connection, and then yeah, you see the emotional aspect with the the, the rising soaring music of the mm-hmm. the instrumental kind of orchestra. Yeah. What I really enjoy is that will play so much more later as mm-hmm. well when you start to see the downsides of like we heard like when uh, when a kind of Aesodai dies and the warder kind of dies and when Aesodai when a warder dies the Aesodai like you hear all these bits about how like when a bond is broken like we started to hear about it here but also then like how a bond is reforged and things just really planting so many seeds but at the same time paying off what they did these last eight episodes just fantastic yeah absolutely and it leads into some of the best moments that we've seen oh, yeah. with moraine and land this season as you know the, the complementary aspects i think it would be kind of what you're talking about chris between the two of them as they're bonded together where we have land battling on the beach against the oncoming shanchan as um moraine is raising the weave to take out the boats that are shielding rand i think it's so cool as, as the camera pans around there's some awesome moments with lan as he grabs arrows out of the air oh, twice yeah. and uses them to stab the shan shan so coming towards good. him but nothing sells it more for me than rosamund pike and her controlling of these weaves that she's drawing together i think it looks so amazing she's really it's going really for good, it it looks it? so cool uh, as she effectively again another member of Rand's friend group uh, murders an entire ship full of people and then more shill ships and then more ships and then more ships and takes them all out and drowns everyone on there and tells Lan importantly I will kill a thousand innocent people to protect Rand that's what it means to support the Dragon Reborn um, and yeah. again another big moment uh, for Moraine as a character yeah. and I mean again it's just so good with the fighting of Lan. I think the way Rosamund Pike, uh, her movements in generating that weave mm-hmm. looks so cool. Just the fluidity of it and sort of crouched down uh, as she's focused on, um, you know, attacking these boats that, that hold the, the, uh, Demane that are shielding Rand. Really just loved all of this. Um, I also like their conversations sort of leading up to this mm-hmm. as well, because again, you know, I, we'll come to it a bit more in Spoke 4, but, you know, when they're blown to the beach by Lamphere, you know, Lamphere just says, when the time comes, raise the banner. So, you know, she plans and this dawns on Moraine and land that, you know, she intended them to be in that place uh, in order to disrupt Ishmael's uh, plan as well. So I, I loved um, that, but also, you know, in a sense, it, it's the simplicity of the conversation that they have where they, Moraine and Lan are talking about uh, Ishmael and Lanfear and Louis uh, Therin being friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lan just says, just like these kids. Mm-hmm. And exactly. that is the simplicity of that they also were best friends, but Luz ultimately pushed them to the dark. And um, here, you know, they are friends as well. 
And in that, there's the reason why a lot of them are suspicious of this group, mm-hmm. um, you know, at Tal Valon and so on. But also, is it going to be Rand's own actions, his decisions that push his friends to the dark? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. You know, and I, I just, you know, again, it's it's one of those points that connects to that opening, that that prologue with uh, Luz Theron and Ishmael. And it was just really good. I, again, just how this all played together, I think literally for me, every part of it worked. Yeah. Um, and it was so good. Um, whether it was on the epic scale, the action scale, the visuals, the music, all uh, down to the little detail, you mm-hmm. know? And it was just really superbly crafted i think absolutely yeah there wasn't a wasted moment really like that's that's why it was like and they still chose to give what like a minute and 45 seconds to the opening credits more and he still i was like well bold move but made it worth it absolutely i almost forgot how great those opening credits were sorry to go back to them again but the, the music and the opening credits was so cool and great to have them in this final episode but again these episodes can run as long as they want them to so um we have another hour and 10 minutes um full on with this episode as well so uh so it is a long episode uh especially compared to the other shows that we think of as an hour and it's only 40 minutes so yeah um but anything else about moraine and lan at this point um in the episode Nope, nothing yet. Nope. Right, let's get on to spoke number four, Lanfear and Ishmael's plans. Um, really much more evident here that uh, both of them are working against each other. And uh, I really liked uh, the the way they uh, they interact in this episode. The fact that we have Lanfear bringing Rand uh, to the city of Falm, and she goes straight to Ishmael and goes, right, he's here now. Um you're just gonna you're just gonna wait around for decades, possibly putting all your little chess pieces in place to be to have the perfect time for Rand to be here, but he's here right now, you're gonna have to make do. Um and this is Lanfear's plan of effectively taking down uh Ishmael. Yeah. yeah. Well I mean we have that moment where he asks, Are you going to betray me? And mm-hmm. she's like, Of course of I course am. I am. <laughs> um I do like it also in the conversation here where he's going, uh, why did I bring you back? And then goes, well, I suppose you're the opposite of me. You're the one I will always uh, work uh, side by side with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And for me, I I love these two. Um, and I think this really culminated both these characters um, from this season, actually, mm-hmm. in terms of the TV. Because from a book perspective, I am aware of Lanfear, but her story is rapidly progressed here uh, in comparison to the books. And Ishmael also rapidly progressed. But I, I love the fact that in a sense, you know, you've got this fantastically epic battle happening in Falm. Falm is a chessboard here and you've got Lanfear and Ishmael just sort of moving the pieces around, you know, um, you, Chris mentioned uh, about the lady from Carrienne um, and uh, helping them get the the Horn of Valair. Mm-hmm. You've got um, great little you know cameo again from Master Doman as Lamphere comes up to him, gives him a wedge, a full purse of monies mm-hmm. uh, in order to put some pieces of rock as far as uh mastodon is concerned into the deepest part of the sea yeah uh, i'll pay you for it so you you know because he's just got chiching because the seal's made of coolenta with this really you know 
expensive, rare mm-hmm. uh, rock or material. And but he got um, a lot of money for the bits of the broken seal from Ishmael. But so yeah, he's, uh, exactly. he's looking for a bit more of that cash. Yeah. Um, so you know, and yeah, her plan is effectively to throw the rest of the Forsaken yeah. into the into the ocean. Uh, great plan. It is. Yeah. It's really good. And the other thing about it is that I'm still so intrigued by Lanfear because of what happens at the you know the final words spoken in this season because you know there's an element here that she helped Rand but ultimately you know as she said there are many pathways to the dark mm-hmm. and she has just decided that actually Ishmael's you know as she says to him I balance you and um, you're you're too precise. You wait too long. Yeah. Uh, you don't act. Um, he's here. He's ready. And we can move now. Uh, Ishmael, we're not ready. You know, I've been betrayed. But still, you know, at this moment, I'm there going, well, Lamphy is still keeping him on a path to the dark. Even though it's a reprieve from what Absolutely. Ishmael had planned for yeah. him at the top of yeah. uh, the tower. So, like, I just really, really enjoyed all, all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually, I, I, I don't know anymore. I think they're playing with the character of Lanfear so much in that yeah. she actually, well, she has her own oaths to the Dark One. Those last words, "Light be with you, Randall yeah. Thor," like very much imply that she, the light side, like. Oh like, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, so she she, she loves Randall for, Thor. She mm-hmm. loves Luce Therin. Like yeah. they were a couple. They were in love, mm-hmm. deep, deep love. So I do wonder. And she alludes to the fact with Leandrin. Like mm-hmm. she talks about we all have our oaths. How you enact yeah. on them and what you do via those is on you. Yeah. I do start to like question. Like they always like they play. I think they're playing with that. They're like definitely. Especially with the, the seals, finding out that she gave the horn, she helped get the horn. Mm-hmm. She has her own plans and agreed. Yeah, I do start to wonder. Like I'm the same. She looks frightened. I'm like, what yeah. are they gonna? They may actually make her that kind of anti-hero that is working for the dark side, but kind of is in love and end up being somewhat of a. You could question it by season three, four. Like she's Absolutely. doing bad things, but she's doing it to make Randall Thor the dragon. She is pushing him forward. Not in to the dark side, but to be the like whatever comes from it. She just wants him to be him and yeah. in love with her. Mm. As you say, it, it it was her final words because yeah. it wasn't like, just her talking about the light or whatever. It it was kind of that where you want the light to protect someone, um, yeah. and that to me felt unusual for a dark friend to be saying that you know okay, yeah. and and even i guess taking out the other forsaken by dumping them in the sea as well i was mm-hmm. like okay you know that that seems a bit unusual but nonetheless so i i you know i'm totally there with you on this chris it, i think they're playing around with it keeping her sort of fluid as to where she might land because I still think there's those questions like you say but still I think her saying to Leandrin there are many ways to the dark um you know is she just taking uh Rand around the roundabout a few times so he gets dizzy and will ultimately 
make his way to the dark and join the dark ultimately. Yeah, yeah. I, I think she didn't believe in Ishmael's plan, which was basically if I talked around enough, he will choose to break the world. Um, you know, if I push his friends into enough danger, he will choose. Uh, saving his friends over saving the world was kind of Ishmael's plan. Uh, that's why he had so many moving pieces because he's got lots of friends. Um, whereas Lanfear, I feel, was just was saying, "Look, we've done this before. You're you're going to lose here, Ishmael. I'm taking you off the table." And then, genuinely, I think she fears for Rand, as Chris said, because she loves him and because she is so terrified about what the Forsaken are going to do to him. Um, they are. A very different power to Lanfear, it seems. Um, Lanfear loose and Ishmael being friends in the past. Not much mention of the other Forsaken no, being absolutely. friends in the past, or being at least being as close as those three were. So, um, so I feel like that was her. Regardless of the words, the words you're probably right. They do mean a little bit more than I'm giving them credit for. But I thought that was a bit of like, oh God, help you. Um, you oh, know, it is. even even yeah. someone like like myself, an atheist, would say the words. God help you, um, because it's the first thing that comes to mind, you know? Yeah, no, um, I mean, I, I think it, it, it is. It's also just because she is a forsaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I th- it just felt like, okay, there's a bit of fluidity yeah. here, or yeah. they're building that into it. But because, as I say, you know, this is certainly further than... I know the character. Yes, of course. You know? Of course, yeah. Um, and but I, I think, thought that was really yeah, good. But I do think what's important about the returning of the Forsaken at the end of the episode, we might as well skip to that because that's what yes, we're talking about right now. Um, the return of one of the Forsaken that we've never met before um, is also something really interesting about what this newly introduced uh, Forsaken uh, says, Magadine. We heard her mentioned uh, earlier on in the season, but this is the kind of spider as she's introducing herself going softly, softly from the shadows. That's what you told me. Lanfear, you've told me I was too scared. You told me I was too weak. While she has Lanfear trapped in her clutches using her powers, um, I think there's a lot more to that as well. The fact that Lanfear is trapped and isn't able to get out of this and has taunted this person before, saying mm-hmm. the methods you used in the past, you weren't very strong, were you? Um, yeah, that's not a great, uh, not a great way. And she says to her, this is a warning. This yeah. is a threat, you know? Mm. Um, we are here to carry out the mission, which is getting Rand for the Dark World. Absolutely. Well, as, yeah. as she says, you know, you and Ishmael were always too close to the dragon. Mm-hmm. The rest of us don't share that failing. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, he, Rand, is, is ours now. All five of them are. So, like, this feels like they're going to be taking a much more punchy, direct route yep. uh, to... Uh, Randall Thor and the the others from the two rivers so I uh, she was great I mean this is again mm-hmm. first time uh, for me for Mogadian for one of the forsaken um and I loved scary but Bjork absolutely uh, I, I, absolutely I did have to it. look up and see was um, a Bjork playing the role I haven't seen Bjork yeah. in a little while um, I loved how I, I the room <laughs> went into shadow Um, as, uh, she kind of just enters into the room and then as she left, uh, it just all came back to color and you, you kind of see Lanfear's watery eyes sort of feeling sort of almost hyperventilating Mm -hmm. with what's just happened. Um, 
you know, but Lanfear does still say you don't want to go up against me. You know, it, it's not that Lanfear would be an easy pushover. I do feel here that, you know, Mogadine probably had the element of surprise. And um, because mm-hmm. speaking of Spoke 4, you know, Lanfear's plans did come a little bit undone here. I think she was uh, hoping to walk in and see that the seals had gone Absolutely. instead finds them broken. She was practically skipping through the castle and found going, ah, everything's <laughs> know, working exactly. out, everything's coming exactly. up land for you. Yep. So there's a there's an interesting thing that I really liked uh, sort of a bit earlier in the episode as well where Ishmael uh, comes into a room where Lady Saroth and her voice are and he's he just sort of wipes his hands and there's a puff of dust that comes out uh-huh. of them. I guess just after he had broken the seals to release the other Forsaken, but it was just a really nice little touch. Again, mm. it was like, you know, the the devil in the detail. And I, I thought this this episode had just so much of that interlaced with these, you know, the grand events happening, the epic yeah. events uh, and so on. I uh, really, really enjoyed it. And it's interesting as well, because didn't they say that this uh, seal was so powerful that he couldn't even break out of it? So yeah, at the yeah. start. Interesting, he can break the other Forsaken out of, uh, out of their seals, though. With yeah, his bare he, hands. Well, yeah, but he did do that, of course, with Lanfear. That's how she was freed. Yeah. So, uh, so he was able to do it. Probably just couldn't break out of his own uh, seal. Uh, but I did like that moment with uh, with Lady Sirath as well, as he she uh, tells him everything that's happened in the battle. Oh, no, Turek's dead, and uh, they've got the Horn of Valer. He's going, oh, God, this whole plan is falling apart right around me, uh, right here. So uh, I, did, I did like that as well, as she sent off to the boats. Yes. I Great think she stuff. managed to escape the boat, actually. I think she or she fell into the water, mm. possibly. Possibly. Don't know. Yeah. yeah. I get the feeling that the like, like opening of season three is going to be the aftermath. It's kind of yes. like, and we're back in film, yeah. and here's what happened. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. presume we will, and uh, we haven't lost all of the, uh, the Shan Chan uh, in no. this episode here. Uh, they may have just been an advanced force uh, for an yeah. even bigger force uh, to come, but they have been uh, pretty Pretty cool this season. Uh, let's go on to our final spoke of the wheel, the dragon and his friends reborn um, as our final moment uh, from the episode. We talked a little bit about bits and pieces of it, but it's a good to kind of tie everything up together here. Um, we have uh, Egwene and Rand at, atop the tower um, as Rand is trying to save Egwene. And uh, he tells her... Um, I came here to save you, but you don't. You didn't need to be saving yourself. Uh, let's just leave. Let's just go. Let's get out of here right now. If only they would have... Yes. And can I just make one quick, we had the ultimate Indiana Jones moment from Randall Thor here, where he goes on his way up to the tower, he enters and is stopped by Turok mm-hmm. and the other guards. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the Turok takes out, oh, you've got a heron blade. Let's see what down here the heron blade <laughs> really means. And he flourishes his blade. And Rand essentially does the Indiana Jones of... Taking a gun out, <laughs> shooting, just one power, load of needles, grrr, just yep. like kills so them all. Good. Love that. I loved how they fell as well, just kind of on their knees, almost mm-hmm. like sort of bending the knee to the dragon reborn as yeah. well. And yeah. I just so cool visually Absolutely. how it was done. And then we see the voice of Turok taking his own life uh, as yeah. well because he serves the blood. So yeah. yeah. I would have taken the win there, no matter what. It was like, Run. Uh, <laughs> I'd be like, uh, okay, 
Thanks for sparing me. I, you know, be the voice of the dragon or something. I yes, don't know. Yes. And I say I pledge my allegiance to you, oh dragon. Mm -hmm. I'm such a coward. Yeah, it was just. It was so good to see. I was just. I, I found it just. It was just a nice. I don't know if it was an intentional nod or just just yeah. the way he flourishes the sword and everything, and you just see Randall. Boom. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that then gets him to the tower, and yes, like we 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 see that bit, and then Ishi comes. Mm -hmm. He does, yeah, shields him, um, no less. Uh, like, do like uh, Ish Ishmael here. You know, you will turn to the dark. Uh, you know, like you did to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, again, just going back to the beginning, there, back three thousand years ago. In fact, you know, still there in his mind. Um, I love how uh, Ishmael. Just the portrayal of him here uh, on top, you know, seemingly very confident in his own abilities. Mm. I mean, even with uh, Matt, who has gotten to the top of the tower uh, after blowing the horn and releasing the heroes of the horn, uh, which was very cool as well. Oh, my goodness. That was really good. I am um, seeing, is it Uno was there with the eye yep. patch? Uh, but also, I think, it was just from the credits. Uh, there was Arthur Hawkwing as well uh -huh. um, yep. that was there. Uh, so that was just really cool. Um, <laughs> I know, and I think I might have edited out your only mention of Arthur Hawkwing because uh, we couldn't uh, couldn't include it in the podcast itself. But he is a big character in the book. Uh, yeah. there yes. You go. <laughs> He's referenced yeah. in the book. Um, but yeah. the horn itself was beautifully designed uh looks so good um and seeing matt take it and then i guess going back to their menethrin roots you know where he just says um i am one of you i remember and and speaking in uh the old tongue yes yeah. absolutely look I can't, I can't believe this wasn't uh, a spoke of the wheel on its own uh matt's um rising from um a character that has had such little screen time this season, but all we've known is he's the least dependable of the friends yep. of Rand. That's all we've seen of him. He's been down on himself the whole season. Um, this moment of realization where yeah. he's the one that has to blow the horn because he can't make it to Rand. He freezes time and then realizes not only is he someone that belongs with Rand and belongs among this group of friends. He's also a hero of the Horn himself. Uh, as yeah. some of the heroes say, we fought alongside you many times before and we will again uh, in the future. I thought it was a great moment. It was um, really good. I, I wish we'd had more screen time with Matt throughout this season because even if it had been him uh, complaining or him him being down on himself, this would have meant even more. But as, as it stands in this episode, there's so much power to uh, to Matt here, uh, so much intelligence of him in uh, in getting himself out of prison and taking the uh, being able to take the uh, dagger with him without uh, it corrupting him. I thought that was great as well. Um, right. But yeah, there was so much power to this moment. Um, Definitely, yeah. And he gets his staff ultimately with a now with a pointy end, but he. Yeah, he gets, uh, you know, he gets his staff, and I, I loved how he wielded it in, in that battle on on the the walls, wall ramparts, mm -hmm. uh, as he, you know, trying to fight his way through the soldiers to get up to the top of the tower. Oh, he gets some memory back of his fighting abilities yeah, exactly. there, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> certainly does. Uh, Whatever thought, way Ishmael was trying to pervert those in the visions that uh, that he gave to Matt uh, in the last episode, uh, this Matt's a, a pretty cool character. I like him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. 
hundred percent. And like, so the, we'll actually see everyone gets their weapon. So obviously, Rand has his sword. Um, we, we if you look at any of the fan art from the the books, you'll always see Perrin with a big toothed axe. So the 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 kind of the two half moon axe. Mm-hmm. We see him kill. The, the white cloak with. Yeah. And we see him later with as well, the bigger version Bromhold's uh, real big kind of tooth axe. So, uh, and then you see always, um, Matt with a, a staff and be it yeah. with a kind of blade on top, like a well, version or different. You always see him with those types. And then you'll see Rand with some version of a sword or something. Yeah. Yes. So that was always the kind of fan art always around. And just seeing how they portrayed that, how like they, they gave everyone their thing again, uniquely adapting it to this kind of hit, seeing him as a hero, seeing that redemption arc, which, yeah, I think I'm with you, Derek. I think they could have lent in a tiny bit more, just even a few more down and out moments. Mm-hmm. But one thing I'll call out, Donald Finn, who took over this role in this season and is confirmed that he's back, he's there for next season, and like, <laughs> he's not going anywhere. Like, I hope they don't recast him a third time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, he, he's really kind of shone for me as mm-hmm. this actor who's just kind of, he came in and took over a role, and he had to kind of build on what was already done in season one, and that kind of mannerism, make it his own, and then on top of it, show the growth on the character and growth on the, on screen just does it so beautifully. And then get some huge choreography at the end. It's like, oh, fantastic. But he then ends up on the tower as well and is ultimately the one who wounds Rand mm-hmm. with this fantastic. Well, basically he just kind of hooks the staff up in a very cool way. It's just like, mm-hmm. and then throws it. And it's an illusion of Ishmael and goes right into Rand and gives him this festering wound from the dagger of Shia Lagoth. Yes. Like, it is the wound that was cutting, that dissolved the box around the horn. Like, that dissolved the lock on the door. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a bad wound. Yes, it is. And you know what? I am wow. with Ishmael. How did he not see that? I saw that the second he came up the yeah. stairs. Don't throw this this dagger through the air when you see your friend is on the other side of Ishmael yes. like you know even if Ishmael um, was killed with the dagger it was going to go straight through him and straight into Rand I'm sorry yeah <laughs> it's definitely going to happen and he knows the prophecy right um so Min's prophecy does come true it didn't look the same as Min saw it but yeah. um the dagger wielded by Matt yeah penetrated Rand yeah I I think um, it was just all so good at the top of this tower. And I, I, I think, you know, with our heroes, but also I think with Ishmael as well, I think, uh, you know, that conversation he has with Rand, where Rand effectively refuses to join the Dark One, you know, he goes, I am certain of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet when Rand eventually kills Ishmael and you have Ishmael kind of going, looking up at the sky on his back, um, and he he's like looking up and he's saying it's beautiful. And you have Rand, um, you know, because Ishmael is still talking to him as though he is loose. So mm-hmm. you know, we're calling Ra- him my friend, yeah, yeah and so. calling yeah. him my friend. Mm-hmm. All of this, so it, it it's just a really kind of unusual thing. And you have Rand sort of kind of. Just moving forward to say, you know, what do you see? Um, and it just says nothing. 
it's beautiful yeah. as yeah. it kind of goes to to dust and i just thought that was a really good um moment i i also thought the seagulls might have uh sort of pooed on him or something <laughs> like that it's like all no. the birds to be flying over you as uh-huh. you die and the last thing you want is a seagull and <laughs> um, and uh but i no i mean joking aside i thought that was just really really sort of epic in its own way certainly in terms of how this episode started yeah. um and yeah you have Egwene just showing how goddamn powerful she is really um mm-hmm. you know effectively holding holding off uh ishmael for enough time to be reinforced with by perrin who has uno's shield uh that he he's given him um mm-hmm. and yeah i thought this was really like fantastic and then elaine elaine becomes more important for for Rand uh, in in that storyline, so I, I kind of like Rand just saying, "Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Who on earth are you? I don't remember growing up in the Two Rivers uh, with you." Uh, it was kind of like you know, kind of wondering what's going on. So yeah. I, I kind of really liked how this all came together, and then with them all stood together mm-hmm. once Moraine's magic has worked uh, its wonders to remove that shielding um, and again mm-hmm. see the power of, of Rand here who ultimately gets his heron mark on his palm as well. Yes he does. Yes, yes it burns in as uh, as the uh, blade disintegrates. Uh, I think the prophecies HMA. suggest that he will get another mark on his other Oh, okay. Well. Okay. I just assumed the other mark that he was getting is uh, is the one through his stomach that will never ever heal. Well, maybe. Yeah. Um, but that's where I'm up to at the okay. moment. Okay. That I'm not up to there. I'm not really. But, so. but seeing the heron mark was really yeah. really good because again another element of the prophecy that mm-hmm. he is the dragon reborn. Let alone they say that he will be marked up from. Yeah. yeah, as he proclaims himself in the sky with fire. Mm-hmm. That's one part I do hope they kind of lean into and kind of investigate more in season three because they've yeah. they've touched on it enough, and it became a big central topic these last two episodes. That I do hope that they kind of lean into the prophecies, or at least discuss them more. Kind of have Varen read them out, and kind of go these what the prophecies are, blah 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 blah. He's done Maybe. this, blah blah blah. He did yeah. this, and now these. Yeah. Um. Because they they are a huge part of the book, mm-hmm. and I think I I understand why they they touch briefly, but don't want to lean too much into them in this season. Because again, it's not a lot to explain, but it's a lot. It's a lot of Basil exposition type moment where you have to kind of go. Here's all the prophecies written by a madman, blah 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 blah, blah. and I think they'll do that next because I think the the aim is now that. Rand is the dragon, and the prophecies will be fulfilled. So they're going to have to go, and this season, Rand will fulfill this prophecy, this prophecy, this prophecy, this prophecy. <laughs> I, I, what does that mean? Who knows? I'm pretty trusting in, uh, in Rafe Jenkins to not do it that way, but I think it was important to do it this way in this season, yeah. where there are prophecies that exist, nobody believes in them, um, but they come true. Um, yes. You know, even Min's prophecy again, as of of Matt being the one to kill Rand or to stab Rand, that does come true true here. So when you have it the other way around, where they're fulfilling prophecies that they're not exactly sure 
where they're fulfilling prophecies that they haven't heard or fulfilling prophecies that other people know about them uh, rather than them trying to follow prophecies yeah. and uh, and lay out the path for them. I think that makes more sense because now that it's happened, they're more likely to seek out those prophecies and see yeah what the next step is i guess on on the the next journey into the next season um but speaking of speaking of it's happened before uh it will happen again uh just to wrap up i guess my point really around uh, around the friends of rand um and this and this final point uh at the end of the episode so um ishmael is saying if you keep forcing it if you keep if you don't come to my side they will all turn to the dark so what we've seen throughout this episode is uh, and this is probably from my my view of other um fantasy books and and other uh, other works like this where each of these characters now all of Rand's friends have either murdered executed or tortured someone uh, in this episode as they're trying to come back together as a group we've had um, Matt stabbing Rand effectively killing Rand if Elaine hadn't been there he would probably be dead uh, we've had Egwene um executing and murdering her torturer um, she had a choice to let her go um, we saw Rena releasing uh, Egwene's bond. Um, she had the choice to let her go, but she chose to murder her. Uh, Nynaeve, who we haven't even talked about at all in this episode, there is a reason for that, but we have her torturing a Shan Shan to get the information, but she's going brutally far. You see the reaction from Elaine to how Nynaeve is treating her. Um, I have a feeling if that uh, Shan Shan had survived the walk to the tower, uh, she probably wouldn't survive any further because Nynaeve was really punishing her for what they had all done uh, to Egwene. Uh, and we have Perrin turning and killing uh, the White Cloak leader. So, um, again, reacting on revenge and murdering someone. Uh, many different stories, including Harry Potter, probably the most famous one most recently, I suppose, uh, talks about that leaving the stain on your soul, that turning you to the dark. If you murder and kill someone out of revenge or out of spite, um, then that's something that turns your soul to the darkness. So uh, I do feel because we've had this happen to all of those characters in this episode as they're lining up beside Rand, that uh, they are potentially turning into his forsaken, his uh, his group of dark friends in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it is, you know, the parallel is also drawn there by, by Lan uh, mm-hmm. and Moraine speaking on the beach. You know, it's to what extent can they will they you know break expectations yes and that's what's really good about how this story is told i think yeah and what i also like about it from a a writing and a a, a entertainment point of view you're also watching um these young kids all who are a great group of friends together um murdering people and cheering for it <laughs> as, a, as a viewer you're going yes Egwene should absolutely be killing uh, Rena yes absolutely we've seen what these Suldam have done to Egwene tortured her absolutely they deserve what they get oh the leader of the uh, of the White Cloaks murdered a dog who was a friend of, of parents he absolutely is entitled to murder him back um, you're cheering for all of these characters murdering and taking their revenge yeah. out you know because there are good guys at the moment yeah. yeah, how yeah. far will you go to save the world? Mm-hmm. Exactly, and you even hear Moraine, you know, I'll kill... Well, she took out a thousand <laughs> innocent yeah. people. Whether exactly. they were fully innocent uh, is, is to be seen, yeah. but... She didn't know and yeah. Lang questioned her. No, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I think for me as well, just on, 
again, as a scene, I absolutely loved as Rand is proclaimed the dragon and the banners, the banner of this fiery dragon mm-hmm. is, is going up around the tower and so on. There's that moment. I mean, not only is it epic as hell, uh, and, and in terms of the feel of it, but there's a great shot there where it's down from the population of Faum looking up. You have the dragon fiery behind and just silhouetted on that is the dragon reborn, is Randall mm-hmm. Thor. With his shit I, haircut. Yeah. Uh, with his <laughs> shit haircut, yeah, exactly. And the music was superb. And then he is joined by, uh, you know, his friends as well. Yeah. And I just thought that was... Like great, yeah, fabulous, yeah. really yeah. cherry on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful ending shot. Really is a way to kind of set the scene for yeah. season three. Just kind of like you've you've set up your characters. The chessboard's here. Boom! That's your money shot right there. Yeah. That's what the shot I would love to see in the cinema. Absolutely. That just that scene of the dragon encircling the tower and then like laureling the rest and just kind of proclaiming the dragon. I was just like yeah, that. Actually, one that gave me chills. Yeah. yeah, few scenes gave me chills yeah. on this kind of Absolutely. In good, uh, throughout this episode. That one scene for me was just like how they they kind of pulled that together was fantastic. Really, really good. And I, I will say, if it hadn't been for that tag with Lanfear and the Forsaken um, returning, it could have probably ended the series here yeah. for me because I'm I'm not fully aware of how the story goes on from here. You know, they've defeated. The bad that that's been on screen for the whole yeah. season this season. I know there's been that other story of uh, of the dark one, but that feels out of uh, out of my knowledge right now. I don't know yeah. how it's going to raise, but if you'd had the dragon reborn standing on top of the tower and everybody telling me, "Well, he's the one that's going to save the world," him and his friends are all back together now, and roll credits. You probably could have ended the show right there um, and not come back. I'm so glad they are coming back because this was absolutely an excellent uh, season of the show and a, and a great uh, entry into the story. And I'm really excited to see more yeah. in the future. Um, speaking of which, anything else that we want to talk about before we wrap up our uh, discussion about Wheel of Time? Uh, a couple of notes from me. Um, the Aiel talk about when they, they're kind of they're they're there to find their Karakan. That they mentioned that the Karakan, their chief. The chief among chiefs. Um, so they said they, they've just kind of name dropped that now to kind of say that why Avignenda and Bane and Jayad are there. They're there to find the yeah. Karakan. Um, so it was a one singular line, but enough to kind of, um, set up that part of the Aiel storyline going into, uh, season three. Yes. Avienda, uh, said that to Perrin when, he, when she met him first, that that's why yes. she was, uh, she was away from yeah. her home and why they were all away from her home. And then they look up at the dragon reborn and call, call him the Karakan. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. nice to just, again, just kind of setting that up for the future piece. Mm-hmm. Um, one I did want to say is obviously we see traveling. We see how that's how Lanfear gets ran out of the, the ways. Mm-hmm. We see this, how they've been blinking around and how she's seemingly everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's called out previously as well as the, the, the Forsaken have weaves that no one else has. Mm-hmm. This is a big one here. We see that like, how they are using the one power to zip around. Yeah. yeah. Really cool to actually see that visualized as that kind of, Almost like in a, a smoke enveloping out, or white, or dark yeah, in this case, that's enveloping it. out and pulling them in. 
I got it more from Mogadian actually than yeah. the Lamphere. Lamphere felt as though she was using the dark cloud from the ways to okay. actually okay. move around. It just looked visually to some extent like it was it's, what's the, the, the dark cloud the wind. Uh, dark winds, that's it. Uh, in the ways. It almost looked like she was using that. Now she could be doing it with the weave, just the mm. way it looked. Yeah. Uh, uh and how we've seen it sort of portrayed Previously, when Nynaeve sort of set off her first nuclear detonation of the <laughs> One Power, and mm-hmm. um, it that felt like that, but it was only with Mogadin as she kind of you know exits from that room and she just opens up that portal yeah. almost, gateway, yeah. yeah, and gateway. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. That's cool. yeah. No, I just I was happy to see it. Just it was a thing that like they they dropped as well. Like, ooh, they how are they getting everywhere? Mm-hmm. There we go. We saw. Uh, and then the final question I have, and it's one for any of our book readers, any kind of anyone who's interested at the end as we end up. Um, how many Forsaken? They actually haven't said the number yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, there's a potential that they, I think they may. So this in the book, there is 13 Forsaken. Oh, okay. So if they're going that there's one a seal in the actual, in here, mm-hmm. as per kind of what we've seen so far, that means there's only eight Forsaken. Yeah, uh, in this TV show, which is fine. Like maybe they don't need it, but they've only they haven't said they've only said about they've only named about five throughout mm-hmm. this yeah. season. Yeah, and and also Lamphere with Master Domin, I thought she talked about six intact pieces. Yes. Yeah, so that's six plus the two that we have. Yeah, so. Yeah. So it's just interesting um, to see what will happen. Will they actually stick with the thirteen, uh, or are they going to kind of just bring the number down to kind of a more manageable eight? Well, yeah. Just a curious, curious, curious. There, that's kind of they just because they have not said how many Forsaken there were. They just keep talking about the Forsaken and the seals. Yeah. But I was just like, maybe they haven't decided yet. As a yeah, writing potentially, group. <laughs> or if they're like, trying to get eight seasons and they're doing one, uh, one per season. Um, yeah. We've had we had Ishmael last season. We have Lanfear this season uh, and next season. Potentially, that's uh, Magadane's uh, season, yeah. <laughs> and the season after that, we'll have another one. Uh, yeah. Potentially, that's the that's the way they go. Uh, but yeah, very interesting to see how they uh, how they play that out with the with the Forsaken. Um, I think since we haven't really talked about her a huge amount, I do want to talk about Nynaeve in notes here for yes. a quick second um she is a really important character in the show and and um i did feel a bit underserved in this episode um i do think the the scene of her torturing uh the shan shan um at the beginning was a really tough scene and seeing uh, how far she's willing to go yeah. um was pretty brutal you know again she's uh she is a, a wisdom from uh from two rivers uh very strong character um and we can see how again how far she's willing to push it. But I have to say, if they could cut out about ten minutes of her um, sitting wondering whether she should pull out the uh, arrow from the leg of Elaine, like really, that is all you're going to give the character to do. Uh, really important to get Elaine up to the terrace so she can help save Rand. I, I get that, but they really didn't need to just keep cutting to her trying to make the decision as to whether to do this simple task that most other characters would just snap the arrow you know it felt like they felt were trying she was completely losing it yeah. to be honest rather than yeah. simply that she you know isn't able to reach out to the weave like 
Elaine can or yeah. Egwene can, and yeah. she can't picture it the same. And we get that uh, again here. But, it, yeah, it seemed like she was losing all functionality in yeah. terms of even remembering what she would have done as a wisdom. You know, it mm-hmm. seemed to, whether it was, uh, you know, maybe it was just being in the heat of battle with everything going on and maybe mm-hmm. just didn't come across um, yeah. well enough. And it was that that was taking her out of, you know, a comfort zone uh, to, yeah. you know, I don't know. But yeah, yeah I, I would agree. I think um, it felt a little underserved Nynaeve's character. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was curious why they didn't do it. Like, honestly, that was like, yeah. she had one of the best episodes this season. Well, mm-hmm. as a, like earlier in the, when she was, went through the gateways yeah. as he to become yeah. accepted, like one of the best episodes and just, we, I thought it was all leading to her learning to control, like learning, uh, and then just having her to not even take two steps backwards. Like she looked seemingly goes so far back. She can't even pretend to try and help Rand. She just automatically gets Elaine to do it, like up on the yeah. tower. Like it's just. I didn't understand that part. Again, mm-hmm. I know they're going to pay it off later, but it was just more like, I thought that's where it was all building to. Like, yeah. her learning that to kind of, to get in that moment of battle, in that heat, like, to learn to take a deep breath and just embrace and yeah. source and kind of, I just didn't, I, that was just, it was a choice, I suppose. And I'll be honest, I, I, I didn't even want that paid off this soon. I think there's lots of story there to tell with Nynaeve. I just felt, um, do a bit more with her, just a little bit more with her, yeah. you know, or or don't cut back three times to show her pondering over whether she's going to crush Elaine to death if she tries to use her power taken out the arrow, or whether she's going to use her hands to take it out. Like it just felt like cutting back to her over and over again was underlying that they had nothing to do with her here. Um, she didn't even go up and support the shield of Egwene and Perrin. I felt like she could do that. You know, just yeah. come up and give them a little bit of support. But again, it seems yeah. like she has no control over her power. Um, so she probably would have uh, destroyed the shield rather than uh, helping it. So they decided to just put her on the sidelines. And of course, she was able to just turn on the channel when she had collared the the other Senshan. Mm-hmm. You know, because you see her sort of doing it at will in order to try and get... Um, you know how to find where Egwene is mm-hmm. so i'm guessing that was the bracelet yes. the collar and, and the whole uh setup of them having created a new demane here from yeah. one of the sultan but yeah. you know e- even if we'd just seen her get angry again with a little bit of a burst because they were suddenly being sort of um being attacked by the White Cloaks or the Senshan. Poten- yeah. Potentially, but again, I know that it's uncontrolled when she has a burst, yeah. so I just felt like they needed another line or two with her or something Maybe, else to kind yeah. of give you a bit of insight why Nynaeve is the way she is after uh, the sh- the Chan falls um, and Elaine gets hit by an arrow. Um, just felt suddenly, you know, again, it could have been just talking about the tension that's going on in her because she's in the middle of a massive battle. Yeah. You know, she's from a small town. You know, it's, it must be difficult that's for right, anybody to be all... in, in that situation. Yeah. But I felt like they didn't do enough with her there. Um, and at least she got the line up there to, to help out Rand. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's it. We have spoken uh, overall. 
Um, I think I was right up front saying uh, I love this episode, one of the best episodes of TV, so I'm not going to add to that. Uh, we've we've talked a lot about the episode and the details of it, but overall, Chris, how about yourself? Anything to close out on? Uh, did you enjoy this episode of The Wheel of Time? Yeah, for me, this was one of the best episodes. And it was epic with a capital E, like, for me. Um, well, well put together, well, no wasted moments, really, in my kind of view, in terms of everything was set up, even from the beginning of the season or all the way back in season one. Just so well put together with some shots that I I wish I was in New York to see on a big screen in that kind of sitting in the, almost the front row, staring at this two-story kind of <laughs> screen, kind of like, ah. Never sit in the front row, Chris. It hurts no, you know neck. what I mean. <laughs> but like just getting that almost IMAX feel. Absolutely. Um, I think it would just be epic. So really so happy to see how this played out. Very happy with the ending and looking forward to season three. Just wanting to know when and give us a. I believe they're at New York Comic Con, so I'm hoping we may get a, a, a not even a date, but a, a Q4, mm-hmm. <laughs> like late 2024, or oh. they may go earlier. Let's see. You never know. You never know. Good stuff. Uh, happy stuff, John. Any final thoughts on uh, this episode of The Wheel of Time? I absolutely love this episode, and I would give this five uh, red cloaks out of five. Um, I think this was phenomenally good TV. Um, everything about it was superb. Uh, you know, this epic battle, um, taking place in Falm and Falm being used as a chessboard by Ishmael and Lanthier. I just loved, I loved how mm-hmm. it interacted, how they got everyone together. Um, and there were just some really, epic epic moments here as as i said just there you know that final moment with Rand silhouetted against the fiery dragon and the the visual the look the feel the music and then the more intimate stuff with lan and moraine as um he is kind of being rebonded with her uh were were just so good and i think uh, in terms of scale from large to small this has everything here. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so good. And, you know, the, the, the Hopper death, it, it really was emotional as well. You know, mm-hmm. I'd say Hopper, Moraine and Lanry bonding and that final bit with, um, I think Ishmael dying and the dragon being proclaimed. Yeah. They were just absolutely phenomenally good TV. Um, and so, yeah, five red cloaks uh, out of five. Excellent. I do wonder, just quickly, because you mentioned it there, Ishmael is dead, dead now. He's off it the table, felt like I feel. It. it felt like it. Hmm. But as I say, I don't know whether he's just accelerated what's happened to Ishmael in the books for me. So I, I have no idea. He It could be um, that... He may come back again. Who knows? Ishmael reborn. Yeah. But I I think it's just the point that in that moment, he thought he, that his wish was coming true. Mm. And I just thought it was really, really good. Yeah. Um, you know, well, let's raise a glass for the fallen comrades and enemies and go to our wheel of time tavern quiz. Uh, John, do you have our final question for the tavern quiz? I do indeed. Derek, uh, fellow quizzes, fellow wheelies, yes, it is the final question of our Wheel of Time Tavern quiz. Question eight, here goes. What name does Dane Bonhold call Perrin? 
in first in recognition, then in anger. Okay, good stuff. Uh, a great moment there, actually, uh, as he uses the same name um, for both. Yes, he does. Very good. Do you want to give that uh, question one more time, John? Yes. What name does Dane Barnhold call Perrin first in recognition, then in anger? Excellent. I guess it's his cheeky nickname for him, ultimately. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. Not so cheeky the second time he uses it. No. Uh, that's it. That's your eighth question in our Wheel of Time Tavern quiz. Get the answers together for all eight questions. Pop them into us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and you could be in, in with a chance to get your hands on some Wheel of Time goodies. We are going to be doing a wrap-up of all of our various pub quizzes uh, in one go in a couple of weeks' time once we get uh, get through a couple of the shows that we're covering. Um, so you have about two weeks to get those answers into us uh, for the wheel of time pub quiz also through feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com you can send in your thoughts uh, on any of the episodes that we're covering uh, we do have some emails in and some thoughts in from our fellow wheelies on this episode of wheel of time first up elias von doom says greetings wheelers i really could not ask for much more from a season finale i enjoyed the cycle of the story prophecies coming true and all repeating i was happy to see child aemon attacked once again though sorry to lose hopper too bad Perrin could not reach Child Aemon. We will have to wait for round three next season. Pat and Fane did not count in Matt's resourcefulness. Mounting the dagger as a spirit was very smart. Mm-hmm. The battles and encounters from the beach to city streets to the tower were all great. The tower rooftop showdown was fantastic. I cheered when Egwene sussed out Rena's story and delivered the final beatdown. The destruction of the Sean Chan fleet was devastating. They got what they deserved. Too bad for the Domani. Will Lanfear wind up joining forces with Moraine and company? A few threads need tending to. Leandra needs sorted. The Amelin seat, if recovered, needs to see to that. I look forward to meeting the remaining Forsaken and Moraine getting the band back together. The wheel weaves as the wheel wills. Also, all of this has happened before and it will happen again, Elias von Doom. Good thoughts, Elias. Yeah, I think we uh, we were talking about a few of those uh, those points. But yes, there's there's definitely a lot more on the table for next season. We yeah. didn't didn't even see uh, the Ace and I and uh, the Amaranth seat uh, at all this episode and what's going yeah. on with Leandrin. They were they were out of this episode. This was all about Rand and his friends. So lots more uh, to happen in season three. Absolutely, there are a few things that didn't sort of happen in this season, which I half expecting will happen in season three as well. Um, yeah. I do hope we get to go back to the White Tower. Like I, I think with the Ace of Eye and Leandrin, as you said, yeah. um, Von Doom. I think like I think they'll bring us back next season and definitely start to close out some of those threads. Exactly. Thanks, Elias. Yeah, thanks so much, Elias Von Doom. Uh, also by email, uh, Coffee and Vodka says, Greeting fellow invading defenders. Honestly, in all the battle and spectacle, and as well as everything was tied up, I've got only got a few thoughts and a question. The revelation of Matt's status was nicely surprising. Nynaeve's roles surprisingly fizzled out early on. Mm-hmm. Moraine and Lan together again was a wonderful surprise. Rand's tower top Dragon Reborn reveal, though spectacular, was anything but a surprise. Celine has surprisingly become Lamphere the Grey, <laughs> and poor Hopper's fate shows not all surprises are good. Not seeing Raima in all of this, did you happen to see if she was rescued? The star was hands down Egwene. She not only kept her promise to Rena, but defended her friends from Ishmael's attack, winning the Badass Blue Ribbon Award. I'm assuming Leandrin was laying low and Schwan was recuperating, so unable to attend the battle. 
They, no doubt, were sorry to have missed the fireworks show. For all the embattled confusion and much tidier conclusion than I was expecting, four Matterhorns, dragon-branded rands, and Lamphere lamentations out of five. Peace and take care. Coffee and vodka. Excellent stuff, coffee and vodka. I am totally with you there on the four Matterhorns. Yes, uh, what a great <laughs> thing to say. Absolutely, you could have had five Matterhorns there. Uh, yeah. Well, other than that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, I think I think we talked about uh, about Rima or Rima. Um, the I said I captured last episode her not appearing in this episode, so we don't really know uh, where she is. But we may see her back uh, next season. We didn't see her die uh, at least on screen no. uh, that I could see. Um, so hopefully we we may see her freed uh, and back next season. Although the way things were flying around Falm, um, I'm not too sure how many people uh, survived, other than those people that were looking <laughs> up at the end. Well, absolutely. We got proper bombardment from the White Cloaks as well, with mm-hmm. a few rocks thrown at the city. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. By the way, was that what they said their special weapon was? It may have been, yeah. rather than the incense. We've got a catapult and rocks. Yeah, rather yeah, than the Yeah, pretty incense. much. Okay. <laughs> it was like, we're going to, it's a trebuchet. Yeah, we're going to exactly. trebuchet the hell out we've of created this. A, we've created a medieval weapon. Yeah. Like, this will help us win. Yeah. I, I'm still going with the incense burners, because they produce a lot of incense incense mm-hmm. yeah. that was like industrial scale incense burning to create that fog that <laughs> certainly was it certainly was thanks coffee and vodka and yeah no lamphere the great i like that i like the name we've talked about it but i like that name lamphere the great we'll t- i'll steal that for season three <laughs> um over on facebook we also got some feedback first up we have feedback from joe herbers who had this to say Unfortunately, another show that didn't really hit for me. We enjoyed the season okay, but as a non-book reader, the finale didn't really pull together. Lots of violence and death, but would have liked more time spent on the plot instead. Ishmael suddenly seemed easy to kill. How did Rand suddenly have such great control over his power? And what happened to Nynaeve? She kind of fell apart, which was odd given all she's seen and done in the past. Thanks, Joe. Uh, yeah, look, I, it, not every show's going to hit. So, like, it, it, luckily, they're Loki. Season two is also out right now. And you've also got the boys coming. And you've got... Uh, there's a multitude of taste out there. Um, I think with this, I, I think, personally, it was an epic one for me. But know that season three will also kind of explain a lot of that, too. So show how Rand has started to gain control and all those type of things. And like they've dropped enough hints. And again, I I don't want to be book spoiler, Chris. So like they dropped hints of things that are coming and also how things are explained. So I think they'll just start to kind of really, I think, give season three a go and it, like one or two lessons or two watches and then see how you feel. Yeah, I, I couldn't disagree more uh, with you, Joe. Like, I'm I'm not a book reader. Uh, I don't read Wheel of Time, and I think the series paid off so well. Every episode seemed to build and build and build. And, you know, while there was lots of violence and lots of death, it is a war, after all, that's going on, and a bit massive battle in film. I think this was the culmination of a lot of the plots that were set up uh, throughout the season. Uh, lots of great story pulled together here. In that 
method of show don't tell as well like not not people yeah. sitting around a campfire going this is what changed me as a person uh, throughout this episode and this is what it means for the future we really got a lot of great character development in this episode along with uh, all of those those amazing looking scenes the cinema quality scenes that we're getting for a show uh, again do you remember the times 10 years ago where they had to have episodes of people sitting in a room talking to each other to keep the budget down on a series yep. and now we have show, shows costing 110 million an episode like wheel of time uh, and being shown on a tv screen every week that we pay a couple of quid for you know um amazing difference uh and, and I, I absolutely love this yeah i mean i absolutely love this as well i mean I, I would say it wouldn't change my score or how much i loved this but i think um it, it may be not so much that Rand suddenly has such great control over his powers mm-hmm. i think it's more he's kind of got the power and he has a trick <laughs> to do um and i think that's probably more of it at this stage i mean the only thing i would say to that is you know rand felt very confident there maybe it was just the portrayal of that and mm-hmm. we've had the talk of you know him concerned about the madness um and i feel that that will develop further in season three but it, it suddenly felt as though all those concerns were gone. And maybe that was just because the band is back together because of his friends and fellow Tavirin, you know? So um I think that might be the case. And mm-hmm. in terms of Ishmael, you know, that was a surprise to me that he died here, if he did at all. You know, I know you asked, he may not actually be dead. Mm. It looked... It, it felt quite final and the fact that we yeah, hear yeah. right back at the start of the episode 3000 years ago exactly. he wanted to die he wanted to end it all he didn't want to go go around on another spin of the wheel uh to use the terminology of the show uh he was allowing himself to die because the dragon reborn wasn't going to come over to his side that's almost yep. what it felt like yeah um, exactly this is the moment where um, i where i finish my story uh great stuff but thanks so much for your feedback joe um we have some more feedback in on facebook uh kathleen andrew andrew says really emotional finale hopper dying i cried yep didn't we all absolutely Kathleen? didn't we all dr bob phillips says what an awfully good finale so many nuggets of thrill and twist tantalizing tail dangling and deserved ends being met spent a few minutes yelling open the window and yeet the knife matt followed by yay for the stabby stick and finally the moment he actually thinks he could believe in himself he's revealed as a hero of the horn now if this was gen v it'd be a very different character arc that ended up with that statement i doubt if it's such a I doubt I've seen such a toxic codependency as Egwene managed in, to muster. Or, frankly, the control and concentration to hold back the right hand of the dark alone. Surely she's on the way to a seat now. Perrin was a very good boy, and Hop is in a much better place. With our pair of Princess and the Wise, I think we could be opening up another spoke completely, and perhaps a tricky love triangle with mm. the Angelic Elaine, the Fiery Rand, and the all-or-nothing Nynaeve. And where did Bjork the spider demon come from? And she must be bad because Lanfear even fears her. Absolutely. Bjork the spider demon. That's that's a sticking. That's a sticking. That's it. Bjork's new album, Bjork and the Spider Demons. Absolutely. I was expecting Dawn Dawn French to suddenly appear. Uh, (laughs) That's a very obscure reference for our uh, American listeners, John. (laughs) 
the original video was filmed in New York. For Bjork's uh, uh, yeah. song that but was the, covered by Don French, who is yeah, a comedian who exactly. did it for a show in the 90s. I'm yeah, sure it's has gotten French over there. Yes, okay. I'm sure <laughs> French and Saunders have, has made its way over to the US. I think the Vicar of Dibley maybe did, but never yes. their, their uh, sketch comedy. Yeah. Uh, so people might have picked it up on TV. But uh, what a very obscure way to finish our coverage of Wheel of Time. <laughs> hey. We're nothing if not if if unpredictable. Uh, Dr. Bob, thanks so much for your feedback. Yeah, absolutely loving uh, Matt on his stabby stick and his moment that he finally believes in himself. A great moment in this episode. I thought it was really, really good and well told. Um, yeah, Anna Gwaine, yeah, she's definitely on, on the way to her her, her seat. Uh, maybe even the Amberlin seat uh, at the Terror at some point in the future. <laughs> Yeah, and maybe it will go all Gen V with the princess and the wise and well, Wayne. Who knows? It well, could be. It is fantasy after all, and it's also on Prime Video, so they can do whatever they'd like to <laughs> with, hey, the, exactly. with the adult uh, adult section of their shows. Uh, thanks so much to everybody for your feedback for this episode and your feedback throughout the series. We will be coming back, of course, with a wrap up of Wheel of Time, uh, along with the closing out of our Wheel of Time Tavern quiz in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, so you can still get in some feedback to us. You can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with that. Uh, or stay up to date with us over on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries. Uh, John mentioned there Gen V, one of the other shows that we're covering. We're about five episodes into uh, season one of Gen V, the spinoff from The Boys. Uh, a very different show for targeted at a very different audience, but a really good show. Um, yeah. A, a, another group of friends going through uh, lots and lots of different um, different um, challenges, let's say. Yes, with the one power. And that's normally injected into them. Yes. Yep. Yes, exactly. Yep. That's, that's Definitely pretty good. a different show. That's pretty good. We also recently finished up Star Wars Ahsoka. So if you watch that, don't go, go back and listen to all of that. And we recently started up Loki Season 2 coverage. So make sure you are tuning in every week for that going forward too. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of stuff going on on TV Podcast Industries. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next time the wheel turns. Yes, thank you so much for listening. And remember, the wheel weaves as the wheel wills. It certainly does. Thank you, fellow wheelies. Uh, and of course, fellow quizzes as well, who have been joining us uh, <laughs> yes. for the quiz. And fellow uh, defenders and fellow industrialists. And fellow yeah. defenders, you name it. Thank you all for joining us uh, as we discussed uh, season two of The Wheel of Time. Until season three, though, remember, keep watching, keep listening, and... Keep wheeling. Bye. 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 started reading the wheel of time this week and uh the first time rand has introduced uh the uh, notation after his words say he said breathlessly and i'm wondering whether josh stradowski took that and uh ran with read up to them like <laughs> that's my character I, I must yes be breathy <laughs> deep deep breathy exactly 
bonded together where we have Lan battling with his sword while Moraine raises her weave. <laughs> that sounds like she's raising her wig. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as she throws her wig in the ring. Um, 